Well, hey there, Line Podcast listeners. It's Matt Gurney, and our podcast almost went obsolete in a couple of hours since we recorded it. Uh, Jen Gerson, of course, uh, as always, joined me on Friday afternoon, and then I went out for dinner, and by the time we got back, there had been material news developments. Just as a, a point of uh, of clarity, part of the, what we're going to discuss in this podcast is that Ontario progressive conservative MPP, or at least he was, named Vincent K, uh, or K, or Key, or K. We don't know yet. I have asked for some clarity on the pronunciation of his, of his name, because obviously I want to be respectful. Right now I've had three official responses, and they're all different from each other. So forgive us as we work to figure out uh, the preferred pronunciation. I will also mention that the reason he features so heavily in the podcast today is because he has been identified by a global news article as being the intermediary between the Chinese government and Canadian politicians targeted for influencing. At the time we recorded this podcast, the response from the Ford government had been muted about an hour after we recorded this, but before it could be edited and published, the MPP in question resigned from the Conservative caucus. So that gets you caught up on the latest, and we wanted to start with that. We hope you enjoy the rest of the conversation. We do cover a lot of ground in this, the latest episode of the Lines Experimental Podcast. Well, today ended up being a day. Um, hi, everybody. Uh, Matt Gurney here, Jen Gerson here. It's the Lines video and podcast. And Jen, in the last couple of hours, uh, the other shoe dropped, so to speak. We'd been waiting on this one all week. Uh, you and I talked about this a couple of days ago. We had a pretty good yeah, we've sense. been kind of reluctant to publish anything because we yeah. were waiting for this particular leak to hit. That's bang on. Uh, we've <laughs> kind of for the last three days we've been like, do we do we publish we, this or like is it going to go obsolete? Like, like we were talking about doing another emergency dispatch just just to sum up where China was at, but we just knew the second that we published, we were we were going to be screwed. So. Well, the latest uh, is global news. It's Sam Cooper. Um, Sam and- Cooper. Sam becoming Cooper. becoming the dude the dude he's becoming the the dude in canadian media it's very impressive uh he, he's he's having a streak right now that's for sure uh he's published an article today there had been previous reporting that had suggested uh the globe and mail and uh well I mean, let me just take one step back here the globe and mail and global news have both been reporting of late that that uh money has been funneled to candidates uh, particularly in the greater toronto area through the chinese consulate through an intermediary and then some of that reporting later suggested and this was important that the intermediary was a sitting member of the ontario legislature and like it like it was used present tense in the reporting when describing um there had been how do i say this people in our circle had a pretty good sense of who the person likely was that who these allegations would be related to particularly in ontario i didn't know yeah yeah you and i had spoken about it just a couple of days ago uh we'd run down a couple of names and uh i i had told you who i thought the name was likely to be and that person has been so named uh it's vincent k or key i honestly don't know how to pronounce that a k-e uh, a member of Doug Ford's Progressive Conservative Party, elected in the Don Valley riding, which is just north of me. Um, I think I'm Don Valley West after the alignment. He's Don Valley North. And the allegations are, and allegations, all the lawyers out there, I said allegations, 
but global news is reporting that he was the individual who was uh the intermediary between the chinese consulate and candidates uh that china was bestowing its uh generosity upon and later in the afternoon i'm not even sure if you've seen this yet premier doug ford has responded to this he has demoted the member now you got to tell me uh mr ontario is that a strong enough signal my opinion it's Mm -hmm. the stupidest possible thing to do oh okay because justin trudeau may well get smoked by this but i think he took a coherent line when Han Dong was implicated in in previous reporting, which is to basically no, it's bullshit, and we, we stand by our guy. Premier Ford has responded as if there's something, but it's just demoting into a, a different role. And I, I'm I'm scratching my head on this, and I, I want to stress once again to all you. So he, so he doesn't actually get the points for taking strong and decisive yeah. action in contrast to Trudeau. Although, but he, he also doesn't stand by nothing. his man. But he also he doesn't stand make... by his man. Yeah, and he doesn't throw the guy out either. Like it's yeah, what the hell? What the hell? And, and it's just like just hypothetically here, it's all the lawyers are there. I'm just speaking speculatively. If you believe or have reason to believe that a member of your caucus is potentially an intelligence asset for a foreign hostile power, you don't bust the guy down to a less important committee. I said to a friend of mine, and this is obviously a little bit uh, impolitic, but this is like when a cop savagely beats a civilian in the middle of a traffic stop and then gets like a five-day suspension of pay. Like, acknowledging that there's a bad thing that's worthy of a response and then coming up with a completely doing a proportionate response response. but it's a classic it's almost a classic ford move though isn't it because again here you have a guy who's afraid of being disliked he's actually you know he doesn't make decisive action he'll disappear in the face of crisis and you know this is this is a neither fish nor foul move he can claim he did something without actually pissing anyone off well i mean to me what what uh occurs to me um is that there there are very complicated political dynamics here, right? Because um, there are going to be members of the Chinese community, particularly the greater Toronto and greater Vancouver areas, who are 100% the target of this kind of influence. And I know this, like, I know this often sounds just a little bit like we're covering butts, but I want to say this very honestly, like we, I, you and I have both spoken with uh, representatives of the Persian diaspora in Canada you and I are not the target of Iranian political interference. Iranian Canadians are. Right. And in much the same way, you and I are not the target of Chinese electoral interference or oh. political interference. Chinese Canadians are because the well, family I, back home is where the leverage comes from. Yeah, I know. But this is also why I find trying to castigate all of these stories and all of this criticism as racist to be so incredibly offensive. Because the work. people who, well, the people who are actually being targeted and targeted with things like secret police stations mm-hmm. and intimidation of family back home, um, you know, being shaken up for donations, that kind of stuff are Chinese Canadians. So like the, they're the victims of these sorts of campaigns. It's not it's not the white people covering on this who are actually the victims of these campaigns. It's a lot of Chinese Canadians who get victimized by this. So, you know, I just I, I find the. The sort of unthinking. This is all just racism stuff to be so offensive on that front. 
I don't know if you saw this. Um, so you and I talked about this last week. We actually want to talk about it a bit more because we have some good news on the CBC front. But the charge on this one has been led by Global News and by the Global Mail. And yeah. this Toronto Star, after a, a brief delay, began to get into the fight. And it's moving some really good stories on this. So the Toronto Star, you can tell, is getting up to speed. One totally of the stories... Respect. Well, and also, let's also be clear. I think that Fife Chase and Cooper had massive head, lead, head leads yeah. on all of this as well. So oh, if, yeah. you know, if, you, yeah, yeah. If, you're, if you're the Toronto Star and you're putting a reporter on this three weeks ago, you got some catching up to do, which is fine. Like, that's that's sometimes that's just how the 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 dice gets rolled, right? And it's hard to do, particularly when you're generating... Um, when when you're trying to respond to anonymous sources right you got to right. try and figure like you got to start a really difficult process and it's, one of the things like Cooper also wrote a book about this so, so what we're seeing here is actually the fruit of probably years of reporting and source cultivation on his part right yeah, yeah what the star i think has done very effectively is they've begun kind of doing some of the knocking off some of the peripheral stories yeah. and one of the peripheral stories they did really well I uh, did a great job of it was when the prime minister had said, Hey, this is anti-Asian racism. The star very quickly spoke with representatives of the Chinese Canadian diaspora. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, no, we're the victims of this. We're the yeah. targets of this. Like yeah. there are, there are Canadian citizens today, either born in China or perhaps second generation here who right now cannot count on the protection of Canadian state security apparatuses because we don't want to be accused of being racist. And that's a problem because we're we're selling out our own people. Yeah. Um. So, th that's my view on this. But I look, it's complicated. So Doug Ford, I would imagine, is trying to figure out what to do here. I'm going to suggest that demoting the gentleman will not hold. And I'm going to tell you that I I truly believe. Let's leave it at that. I I sincerely believe that Doug Ford had more than enough notice to come up with a better plan than this. I don't think this is a re surprise reflexive move. I think, so, I think he had time to think about it and this is what he came theory, up with. And that's is dumb. The theory that, 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 that key is too crucial to the party as a fundraiser, as a contact. I mean, what, why keep him around then? In my opinion, if uh, again, I can't substantiate the allegations, but I believe he would be political it would he would be it would be politically possible to sacrifice him you could also do it in a very responsible way which is to go hey look very serious allegations have been raised we have asked uh, the member to sit as an independent for a time being while we conduct a full investigation, investigation. like yeah. you don't have to crucify the guy yeah but no they demoted him here let me give me a second i'm going to i'm going to do the, an annoying thing i do sometimes i'm going to click on twitter while we're in the middle of um talking here uh let's see right, i'm gonna try and kill a fly that's running around. oh good yeah hang on i just like i i tweeted earlier i just don't have offhand what the oh here we go okay um so uh key has been reassigned to be the chair of the standing committee on social policy so i mean maybe that's a benign enough role he doesn't have access to anything particularly useful but i mean if his role allegedly was a as a facilitator of funds yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't matter one way or the other. He wasn't put in that role, or he was didn't choose that particular position because it, he would have access to sensitive information. Right? The allegations are that this man was working against the interests of the Canadian state on the behalf of a foreign hostile power. They're allegations. I can't confirm them. And if we and we move him to a different committee, 
Okay. You know, I tweeted just as soon as this came out um, that this gave Doug Ford a choice. And he had a couple of choices. He could have come out strong. He could have done exactly what I just said to you and go, hey, look, we're going to investigate this. And while we're doing that, uh, the member will sit as an independent while during a full review. And then he'd only have a still massive majority. Like Doug Ford doesn't need this guy's vote. He, like, the strategy here is just like you don't want to completely alienate these guys because you want them to cooperate with intelligence. I, so you don't, you don't want to comp- like destroy their careers and 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 make them pariahs within their communities because you want to maintain cooperation with them. I don't know, like you know, like that possibly. Like I I I don't understand the politics of this because Doug Ford could have again been very res- like done a very responsible but strong response which also would have wedged the prime minister. Yeah. Like it would have been just this screaming. Well, except that we've seen that Doug Ford doesn't really want to wedge the prime minister. He's actually yep. created a comparatively um, cooperative relationship with Ottawa. And maybe that's something he doesn't want to jeopardize. I, that that has occurred to me. Yeah. It's pure speculation on my part, but that's occurred to me. Um, I mean, also he could have, st- he could have stood by him. He could, he could have said, Hey, we, you know, remember in recent weeks, we've been speculating that the PM's ultimate response might be, yeah, there were sort of concerns raised and we didn't think they met the standard. Ford could easily have said that. Like he's, he's trying to be half pregnant now and that doesn't work. Like that's all, but that's always been Ford. That's, 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 he's always tried to be half pregnant. I know. All right. Give me a second here. I'm still getting. Okay. It's been one of those days where my texts are lighting up. I just want to make sure. Yeah, nothing nothing critical is happening. So I mean, while you're checking your text, I would note that also this week, there's been it, there's been uh inklings of caucus unhappiness, which is actually the real danger and warning sign for Among the Liberals? Trail. Yeah. Because we yeah. all know that the NDP is not going to, you know, pull their support for the Liberals. I just don't see that happening. They don't have the money to run an election, a whole bunch of different reasons. Um, but the 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 one way that that Trudeau could potentially be legitimately vulnerable as if his caucus is just like, nah, fuck this, we're out. I don't think that can happen because I think the Liberal Party right now is very little more than a cult of personality. But it was interesting that we had resignation from Garneau, not really clearly explained why. Uh, we had, had to spend more time with his family starting right fucking now. Yeah, starting right fucking now. Um, you have a uh, backbench MP, John McKay. I believe he's a backbench. Yeah, he's not in. Uh, he, I don't recall. He might have like a parliamentary duties of some kind but he's not in the cabinet but i don't he's not in cabinet comes out and says he thinks this is an existential threat that's Mm -hmm. clearly uh, um away from the party line and then you have uh wong what was his first name again spadina kevin vuong kevin representing spadina fort york that's right and remember this is he ran for the liberals but kind of got his nomination or sorry during the election it came out that there were allegations of sexual uh, assault i believe and then he ran as an independent and continued to win so he's he's in parliament but and and under the liberal banner but also but he's essentially he's an independent now as well he's an, he was removed from caucus but yeah his name was That's on right. the ballot as a liberal as a liberal exactly um he comes out very strongly against uh, uh trudeau and all this i thought that was kind of interesting and not interesting at the same time because here you have you know someone who's uh, has to rebuild their reputation um spadina i believe is is home to chinatown in in toronto so of course i think you have a fairly reasonable um asian population there i was just Uh, there i I went to a record shop and got food oh excellent um and then you have uh you know someone who's who's trying to get back in the news and sort of rebuild a relationship with with obviously his constituents build rebuild his reputation 
Um, but the fact that he doesn't see the way to do that as being towing the Liberal Party line is an interesting. That's interesting to me. I mean, Spadina, I think, it was also previously Leighton's. No, uh, uh, Leighton was the other side of the city. I honestly don't remember who was the incumbent there. So yeah, the I'm problem. Saying, I'm saying, like, I, I wonder if he could potentially make a run as an NDP, and that's that's part of his strategy here. I don't think they'd take him. See, the problem with Kevin Vuong, and I, I haven't closely followed this. So what happened was that he he was nominated as a liberal. He was running as a liberal. And it emerged, um, oh, God bless you, uh, podcast <laughs> listeners aren't going to know that Jen just muted her mic and sneezed, but God bless you, Jen. I also yelled at my child. Well, I, I wasn't going to mention that. <laughs> There's no gentlemanly angle for me on that one. Uh, Kevin Wong uh, nominated as a liberal, ran as a liberal. During the campaign, it emerged that he had been accused of sexual assault. The police did not proceed with charges based on the available evidence. But what, but what got Wong in trouble is that he's an officer in the Royal Canadian Navy. He's a reservist, and he had an obligation to inform his commanding officers that he had been accused of a civil crime, and he did not. Hmm. So he had to accept, I don't recall the details of this, but he had to accept like an administrative punishment as a, as a commissioned naval officer, and the liberals removed him from caucus. And I don't remember all the inner machinations of this, but he was he elected in the riding, and he, he, yeah. he serves. And I, and I think that he also like didn't disclose this during his uh, nomination Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there was like the party didn't know this, and yeah, you have to disclose that stuff. It's crappy of him not to have done this. Not disclosing it to his commanding officer, though, that actually was like a breach. I don't think it was a crime, but it was like an administrative breach of military protocol. Yeah, Yeah. that's uh, that's an issue. Um, But can I can I also mention a couple other things? Uh, Yes, okay. That that is, I'm just pitting that for for the blurb, just as like a roundup of the week. I think on that front, though, I, I am seeing other interesting signs uh Seamus O'Regan cabinet minister came out with a strange video this week um, that it's totally spontaneous video with multiple cameras and like so that was noticed right away and it's very possible that um that it's a deliberate distraction like these guys are good politicians still probably not as good as they used to be but I don't know maybe that was thrown out there precisely to get our attention Uh, But I would also add uh, some of the news stories we've seen pop up this week. And I don't want to mention which specific ones, Jen, but I'll tell you off the air. I get the feeling that there might be people inside the liberal government who are now strategically leaking so that they look strong on China. Um, Hmm. So if there is going to be. This hypothetical, but if there is going to be further revelations to come that incriminate uh, the, the prime minister and perhaps members of his his caucus, his cabinet, his, his PMO staff, anything like that. Just speaking hypothetically, th- there will be a degree of reputation management by by other members of the government who will not want to be implicated in this. And one of the ways they can give themselves a little bit of a heat shield is to be seen as among the more hawkish voices mm-hmm. on this file. Right. And some of the stories I've seen this week. I, I suspect are a product of that kind of yeah inoculation. Yeah, that's what I, and that's. I still think the most interesting story this week, honestly, um, we did not talk about this on our last podcast because it hadn't happened yet, but I did mention it in my column, which I wrote earlier this week on Tuesday. Was Katie Telford, the Prime Minister's Chief of Staff, on Sunday, um, tweeting about abortion? which is totally fine. You know, as far as what she said, I agree with her. I'm pro-choice too, but the timing. 
Well, and speaking of Katie Telford, the other thing that we have to pin in the dispatch is that, again, roundup this week, um, right after the liberals finally come out and do this big serious announcement, we're going to take this seriously, we're going to eventually announce some kind of special repertoire to look into this. That's their public face. Their less public face is what's actually going on in Parliament. And what we have is stalling out committees by having liberals not show up. And so therefore the committee can't meet quorum and therefore can't continue to um, uh, uh, investigate or, or lodge questions against interference. We've had filibusters to- And yeah, when they show up, they filibuster. They filibuster, um, particularly a filibuster to try to put off a vote about forcing- um trudeau's chief of staff uh, katie telford to, to testify at committee about this um and then there was uh what's the other thing that literally just slipped my mind anyway there's just been a lot of stalling and delay tactics that oh and then there's now rumors floating around one that michelle rampel garner tweeted about actually that uh there was that it was entirely possible that uh the trudeau liberals were planning on proroguing parliament um in order to essentially i mean uh, not officially, but it would have the effect of officially stalling out any further investigation on this file, which means, which just indicates, would indicate if they did that, that there must be something so bloody explosive there that to prorogue parliament and to go the full Harper route, uh, you know, like seriously, Harper got incredible They did that before. They did it in 2020. And, and, well, but proroguing parliament as a, there are legitimate reasons to waste prorogue parliament, and there are illegitimate reasons to prorogue parliament. And like, wasn't it we or I don't remember? If it, like, they I think they've done this as a scandal shield once before. I don't remember if it was we or SNC, but I think they've done it before. Yeah, you might be right, but I mean, it was a relatively short proroguement. Whereas, whereas, yeah. you know, like it's a different thing when you're proroguing parliament for X number of whatevers in order to basically stall out a committee. There's that's, timing that's challenges true. now. Uh, the yeah. president is coming in less than two weeks for a two-day visit. And then after mm-hmm. the president's visit, there's a budget. And there's all the procedural stuff around the budget as well. So they're going to have to survive the month, the calendar month at least. Uh, yes. Again, which I'm, is, I'm which, look, is, which is why it's so interesting that they're using the most desperate stall and filibuster tactics available to them. I, I, I never pretend to be a procedural nerd. Like I, I have procedural nerds I trust and I ask these questions of. So I don't I don't know the intricacies yeah. of uh, the soonest the government could prorogue parliament. But you've got the president coming and then you got a budget you got to get passed. So this is going to take weeks. They're going to have gonna, to survive this. And if you're going to prorogue parliament, you need to make sure that that budget buys you as much time as possible. You need right? to load as much spending into that approved budget to keep the yeah. government functioning as long as as potentially as long as you possibly could um and i I think as you and i have been making this point in all our recent dispatches here hypothetically government does that we get through the presidential visit we have uh the budget and the government prorogues parliament for a nice long spell and the globe and mail and global news and potentially the toronto star and now as well we're going to talk about this in a couple minutes but now the cbc's in the fight too yep these Hi, stories welcome, just welcome CBC. Yeah. yeah, a belated and, welcome and, and to the our more, friends. The, the more they stall and the more they continue these particular tactics, the more everybody just smells smoke, right? Yep. No, and you know, I wrote on Tuesday the thesis of my column. Effectively, was that after weeks of flailing and denial, the liberals had bowed to reality, just like they did on guns, and they were like, "Everything we're trying is not working." We're going to do the mature thing now. So the prime minister comes out, he uses big boy voice, tells us all about um, the special uh, special reporter we're going to get. We're going to get 
Ensicop, which is how I think we pronounce that. We need an agreed pronunciation on that, but I'm going with Ensicop. Psycop. Oh, well, the other one's Ensera. So there's a lot, a lot going on here. And I'm not, I'm not dumb. Like I'm not born yesterday. And I'm like, okay, so the, 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 the prime minister is now establishing his lines of defense, right? He's kind of gone, okay, this is not going to go away. I'm not going to accuse and bluster and deny my way out of this. So it's going to be a fight. And here's my armor, like my shields of armor I'm putting out. Tuesday was a tonal shift. But then, sorry, Monday was a tonal shift. Monday night is when they announced it. But Tuesday, they're no-showing at the committee. Yeah. And the PM's having hostile scrums with reporters. He's bobbing and weaving testily in the house. Like, again, like, I, I don't want to say I gave him too much credit, because I don't really think I gave him any credit. But they, they started to do politically smart things, and then they just didn't i want to say one thing unless this is unless there's something so explosive explosive in in these files that there is no other option but but to flail and be desperate there is actually one other possible explanation for that okay all of the allegations right now are about nomination races and riding level shenanigans i don't know how confident the liberals or any government would be that they have a good understanding of what was happening at that level So there might be right now, like everything we're seeing, it looks like they're trying to hide something. I get it. Or it could be that they're trying to investigate themselves and find out if there's a there there. Yeah. And I don't know. And I'm just telling you, I don't know which one it is. Like, like, so like, I think they look guilty as sin based on how they're acting, but it is possible that they're like, holy shit, who was running these campaigns? Do we still have their paperwork? Where are their forms? Like, where, where, who vetted them? Like, they might be racing to kind of figure out what their vulnerabilities might be. Hey, look, it's possible that they know exactly what's coming because they've been asked questions. The, the Globe and Mail or Global News may have sent them detailed lists of questions. And when you do that, you're showing your hand, right? Then yes. the other... So maybe, for all I know... The prime minister has a list of 15 questions from the Globe and Mail, and he's looking at this and he's going, ah, fuck. Like they've they've got something and we know what it is. It's also very possible the PMO right now is like, we better find whatever storage unit we put all the nomination paperwork in and get some lawyers reading it. Can I also just point out that, and you saw this again with uh, Sam Cooper's latest piece in Global, that you still have the prime minister claiming that they haven't been briefed by CSIS on this stuff. They're still issuing blank denials on it. Like at this point, that, that is so not credible. That is so unbelievable. That it's just amazing to me that they just don't come clean and be like, okay, we lied. Like they they would ha- they would actually have a stronger hand right now to play if they just came out and admitted they lied about this. Politically they speaking. A, they want a full they want uh Jack Nicholson and uh, a few good men. You're goddamn right I did. Uh you know that movie yeah, where and I like, and like the, they, they could just come out and be like, hey, you know what? When we when you asked us about this last fall, we were concerned about creating more bilateral lateral tension with with China, and we didn't want to cause a big stir. So I said that I hadn't been briefed because I didn't want to make an issue of us. That's it. And yes, I lied. And like you know what I mean? Like they would just have a stronger position right now if they admitted the previous lie. But instead, you still have them quadrupling down on a totally untenable position that is obviously cannot be true. 
I, I, I still, I mean, the only thing that makes any sense to me is that the ultimate climb down is going to be, like I said before, it's going to be a Clinton, something right out of the Lewinsky era of the Bill Clinton presidency, which is, well, yeah, I mean. But I don't think even that, because even when his his national security advisor testifies at committee that, yes, I briefed him. They experienced it differently. Anyway, look. So there's that happening. Do we want to talk about the fact that the CBC seems to have like taken yeah. our, yeah, our I mean, let's... our heartfelt beating, our well-intentioned heartfelt beating last week to heart? Look, the last couple of weeks we've been noting uh, that the Globe and Mail and Global News were way out ahead of this. Uh, my God, I wish we could afford a reporter. I, I yes, we, we'll we, get we, there. We're going to have to hire a reporter. That's we're we're just there. Yeah, I think we're, we we're can't big... we can't continue to be. Canada's assignment editors from outside the newsroom. <laughs> We've actually developed something of a knack for it. Um, <laughs> I mean, we could. We could be that. Yeah. Oh, we can still be that. Um, so, we had noted in recent weeks that the Toronto Star was slow, but then got into it. They were behind, mm-hmm. but then they like they, they got traction, and now they're go, go, go. Uh, the one that by last week on our, our dispatch that was still weird, the absence was notable, and it was the CBC. Mm-hmm. They were covering the story on TV and radio. They were talking about the latest developments. Um, you know, I, I don't watch a lot of TV news just because it doesn't suit my personal schedule, but I have put on CBC News Network. It is getting appropriate coverage. It's being talked about. It's being talked about prominently. In my car, uh, hopping around the dials, listening to Radio 1, same deal. They are they are talking about it. So good for them. But what we had noticed is that the CBC's crop of reporters had not generated written content on cbc.ca slash news, which is their digital home. This week well, they did. And, and also, like, let's mention, yes, it was discussed on uh, Newsnet. Newsnet's a bit of a different beast within the CBC. And yes, especially in some in some radio markets, it was being talked about. But it was pretty clear that even in a lot of the radio stuff, it was consciously or otherwise, it was not leading the newscast. It was not being, it was not the focus of discussion uh, in any of their sort of national talkie programs. And it really consistently wasn't leading the news broadcast is what I, it was my perception. Now, of course, I can't listen to all markets and all CC, CBC markets 24 hours a day. That's not possible. Um, but that was my sense that like there was a lot more chatter or a lot more talk about it that week, how, you know, TikTok shouldn't be on government phones than Chinese you know interference in the election, you know, which was crazy to me. Last week when we were podcasting, I went to cbcnews.ca and I just told you what the uh, top stories were. Let's take a look at this. Yeah, let's see where they are this top week. Top story is a package over WestJet uh, taking over Sunwing. Okay, that's a major business story. Uh, Yep. Stories two, former Special Security Committee member calls conservative's description of the group BS. Um, So that's related to this. It's tangential, but fine. Uh, Liberal government promises to tighten bail access as crime surges. Four Moostraw Warrior players suspended for season, coach and GM for five games after off-ice incident, says uh, WHL. Um, Ukraine war coverage, how the humble cabbage got this PI woman a shout out in the New York times. Oh, that's cool. BMO agrees to buy air miles loyalty program. 
uh, Oscar preview for the weekend. Supreme Court Justice Russell Brown alleges physical attack behind absence from top court. Soaring food prices mean plenty Are of jobs. still not? Jesus Christ. I guess. So let's give partial credit. The CBC did report this week on the existence of two of the so-called uh, police stations that China is allegedly operating on our territory. These in Montreal. So that's that's meaningful reporting that is that's advancing the narrative. It's it's also years old. I don't know if we had known about these Montreal ones. No, we didn't. I know maybe we didn't know about the Montreal ones. We knew there were tons in BC, for example, that got shut yes, down. Yes, in Toronto. In Toronto. So hats off to them uh, for for that. Uh, I I would I well you know what let's be fair. I mean let's go. I'm gonna go. So global news. I'm betting you right now. Top story will be. Oh, has to, yeah, it'll be Cooper. Uh, actually, the top story is WestJet. Um, WestJet but, the WestJet, that, that's a pretty big news story. In the same yeah. way that last week, the Nordstrom thing was a pretty big news story. The, Co- the Cooper story is right next to it, though. It's in spot yeah. two. Let's check out CTV News. So here, this is all the TV and radio networks. Um, no, CTV News actually does not have anything about uh, interference high up right now. It's Supreme Court. It is... Uh, I can preview. kind of understand CTV. So I think that, for example, they've got major resource constraints that the CBC doesn't have. Hmm. That and also because CTV and Global are such close competitors, I can understand there being a little bit more of a reluctance to straight match a story. You know, like I'm I can just, kind of understand. Yeah. I, you know, I don't think the CTV's underplayed the story in any way. I just don't think that they have the resources to cover it seriously. I'm just taking a peek now. I'm just scrolling through kind of the stack. Uh, they don't have a ton. And now, so yeah, so no no prominent coverage on uh, ctvnews.ca. Give me one second, Jen. I'm going to just do a quick run through the newspapers. Um, China package near the top. Yeah. Stuff on domestic Chinese politics, but links there. Yep. Uh, National Post has it as lead item. No surprise there. Let's see what the star has lead item. Um, it is not in top position. Uh, they do not at this time have anything in the top package. Uh, about no, the key, this. the key stuff also just fairly recently broke. So I'm going to yeah. give that. No, like, you know what? I'm, I'm not. Like, we're just no. we're just taking we're taking snapshots in a moment, yeah. right? Like so we're inventory. not. Yeah, it's just a little inventory. So I mean, I, I good for the CBC to start to yeah. covering I hope we see more. more of an enterprise way, and that's great. Would like to see more of that from them because I mean the problem is just like, look, you, 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 re- realistically, it's the best resourced outlet in the country. Hands down. Hands down. So you know, choosing to under emphasize major stories is is and and getting just completely your ass wiped it's a choice like that's a choice that's a choice you know anyway um all right uh i I didn't really have anything else on my list yeah well the other thing i wanted to talk about was mark delahunty two things i wanted to say about mark delahunty do you remember mark delahunty mark mark whatever uh yeah i know who you mean uh a comedian i don't even know her real name i just know her as mark del hunte um with this hour is 22 minutes yeah so uh, my understanding is that she had retired but essentially she's the woman who used to dress up like the red dressed viking warrior woman and then like accost it was xena right yeah like a xena style thing Mm. it it was kind of funny 
the shtick got old back in like the 90s you know what I mean like it was it it's been a while since this was funny the problem is that sometimes in Canada if something kind of works for a while it becomes quote-unquote iconic and then people can just ride that shtick right into the grave, which apparently seems to be happening here um, because we don't have any real culture in this country, but that's fine. Um, but anyway, so Marv decides to pull out the Xena suit out of retirement and gets temporary credentials to hound the prime minister uh, in parliament and ask him like this really weird, cringy softball question about essentially why people aren't getting along and good looking guy like you can bring it all back together and like takes a punchline at Pierre Polyev and quite a few members of the parliamentary press gallery were pissed not wrongly so they have real the questions minister, yeah exactly because the prime minister's ensconced in a major scandal yeah in his party have been um stonewalling and filibustering for the last several days and they were trying to get their questions in and here Marg shows up uh, throws softballs and like kills the day's opportunity for a scrum. It's a matter of national security, and she's doing a comedy stunt. And it's not even funny, and it's and it's also weird. Like there was no there was no timing reason for it to have happened today. Like there was no particular reason why this stunt had to have happened today or not last week or next week. Like it it was very random. Um, and as I say, like my understanding, is she's been retired for with this shtick the shtick has not been in even in service for a number of years so anyway, firstly i had two takeaways from all of this is that you know you have the more conspiratorial minded uh, conservative commentators who were like this was clearly coordinated this was obviously another desperate flail to help him get out of a bad scrum to get him out get him out of an awkward scrum i can't rule out that possibility maybe maybe it was a weird set of questions she asked it didn't and it wasn't it wasn't particularly funny bluntly um but my takeaway from it was actually more jesus fucking christ can we do nothing new in this country is mark de la Hunter still a goddamn thing apparently Good Lord. and to me it was just another one of these examples of like she's a perfect example of the sort of people that the who vote liberal and that is you know aging boomer who is still like living on nostalgia for Canada of the nineties and who just doesn't understand why everybody while ensconced in their, in their enormous, you know, housing wealth just doesn't really understand why everyone around them is so angry all the time. And my goodness, if we just sort of made them stop seeing, seeing, watching such naughty things on the internet, maybe we could all just get along. I don't like that Trump figure. And I don't like those politics coming here. You know, like it's just this quasi hysterical, um uh totally tone deaf totally insulated baffling quasi elitism that it's just to me that that, that just she just exemplified that perfectly in that skit you know the only thing tying us together as an actual nation state at this point is nostalgia for the 90s held by the aging boomers i don't know what we'll do without them when they're gone sorry i don't mean to go into another boomers rant but this whole thing was weird it was just so weird this is this is such an interesting personality test for both of us because I saw the clip you did and I went, that's weird. And then I just like right back to my day and you yeah. formed a whole generational 90s nostalgia political thesis yes. around that. So honestly, have fun with it. Write it up. Yeah. Indulge yourself. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't, and think I, don't rule out, I don't rule out the possibility that this was absolutely a scripted political stunt. Oh, if it is, they're in deeper shit than we thought. 
oh, that's that is that is right bottom of the barrel desperation play right there. Like yeah. amazing, almost amazing if that was. It's almost too bad to be possible. They couldn't possibly have done anyway. Um, worse is always yeah. possible. Worse is always possible. So anyway, I think that that is worth writing up. The other thing that I th- we're thinking of is heating up and we've kind of ignored a little bit is C11. We've been talked a ton about C18, testified about C18. C18 is the is is the forcing big tech to pay for for media and why C- and C11's online content, right? C11. So the, the this is sort of a revamp of the Broadcast Act, and it is a giant, messy, complicated bill in which you have people like um, uh, Michael Geis, Dr. Michael Geis, saying the way that you've structured and are wording this bill would essentially give the CRC, CRTC power to regulate user-generated content on social media. And then you've got members of the government. Give me a second. I got to yell at my child here again. Thank you. Um, and then you've got, uh, uh, you know, um, the government coming up and saying, doesn't say that. Where do you find that? Doesn't say that. Mm. And it's all kind of, um, uh, it's all this drama is hinging around this amendment. Or what, or, or an amendment that uh, was originally in the bill and was uh, ta- ta- slated to be taken out and then put back in the bill about user-generated content, and the fact that this be- the, the government is declining to amend this particular amendment or or clause, uh, declining to amend this particular clause, um, is just proof that they are trying to make a pretty extraordinary and interesting power grab or extension of the CRTC's power over, you know, essentially popular Canadian content on YouTube and the like. So, uh, you know, it's it's an interesting thing, but um, uh, it's also one of those really finicky, complicated yeah. things as well. You know, and if you're going to say this is user-generated content, really what you might be trying to do is force YouTube to change its algorithm so that it highlights Canadian content in its sort of secret sauce algorithm to Canadian users, which might not be particularly objectionable. Or, you know, you might be extending the CRTC power to make you know, say someone like Jordan Peterson subject to CRTC Broadcast Act regulations, which is fucked, you know, um, and a massive would be a massive and overbroad um, uh, grasp of government power and and frankly, not something that they're even particularly equipped to do. Um, but it all just depends on kind of how you're reading these amendments. And it, it's it's so poorly worded. The whole Broadcast Act, frankly, is almost impossible to wrap your head around. It's now so ridiculous, so arcane, so difficult to understand that you can read or not read a lot of stuff into a lot of these clauses and, 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 and statements. It's not clear to the average person what this Broadcast Act does or is intended to do anymore because it's been changed around and amended and 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 written for a different time. And now it's trying to, they're trying to patch like a, like a 1932 act onto the current yeah. broadcast environment. And it, it it's frankly, the whole act needs to be revamped from top to bottom to make it really clear what this broadcast act is supposed to be doing now and what, what it, what is intended to do. You can, I don't think you can do that anymore. We could really- completely screw it up if we tried, but no, you know what? You know more about this than I do. Sure. You, you want to write I'll that one on? Yeah, I'll take it on. It's not going to be a big thing, but I do think that it's worth like C11 is probably worth doing a bit of a catch up on. All right. Well, we've got, why don't you do Marg and C11 and I'll take point on uh, the weekend politics on the China front. Yeah. 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 I mean, and then, yeah. Taking, we we won't send like out the written like version. On, I feel like you keep on taking lead on some of our lead files and I feel a little bit lazy to be honest with you. Well, I, I, look, we both can write China. Only you can write Marg. That's true. 
that's you have a point why don't you hit why don't you do the first run of china i'll add anything in in on my round if i can think of anything but i'll okay. do i'll do marg and c11 then and c11 i'm just gonna do a very brief little thing on it sure no was that the one paula simons was talking about lately i think that she was more on c18 okay well we'll, t- we'll check that out yeah i'll check right. it out well go uh go see what your son's been up to all right we'll see best wish me luck via condiens yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody. And obviously, God only knows what will happen between the time I hit stop recording the and tomorrow. But... If the government collapses, we can we can we'll update. We'll flag this. We'll flag yeah. this as my my official prediction and I'll be look like a genius. It'll be great. Sounds like fun. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Well, folks, I'm going to publish this thing now before any other news developments happen. For Jen Gerson, it's Matt Gurney. We hope you enjoyed this. The latest episode of the Lines Experimental Podcast.